Faith Talk 570 WTBN Pinellas Park. Online at letstalkfaith.com. A service of the Salem. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. When Paul says that the Macedonian Christians were poor, he is acknowledging that they had hit rock bottom economically. And yet in spite of being physically afflicted and financially depleted, he says that they were generous in giving to the relief of the poor believers in Jerusalem. And watch this. He says that they gave with great joy in their hearts. When it comes to giving, especially to our own church, how much is enough? Should we look at our cash flow and balance sheets over the past three years and then calculate what we can afford? Well, we could do that, and I think many people do exactly that. But that's not the kind of giving the Bible praises. Luke 21 describes a scene with Jesus and his disciples at the temple. And he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury, it says. And he saw a poor widow putting in two small copper coins. And he said, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all of them. For they all out of their surplus put into the offering. But she out of her poverty put in all that she had to live on. That's the kind of giving God appreciates. Welcome to Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We'll have more about Lakeside and Verse by Verse after today's class. Pastor Steve is leading us in a series of Bible studies about the nature of the church. And we are now at that aspect of church life that makes some of us uncomfortable, financing the body of Christ. But don't go away. As Christ followers, it is our goal to be more and more like Jesus as we learn more of his nature and appropriate more of the Holy Spirit's power to change us into his image. One of the most significant aspects of Christ's character is his generosity. Here's Pastor Steve now to share how that fact ought to revolutionize our attitude towards money. The supreme statement in the Bible on the generosity of our Lord is found right here in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. When Paul says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You have to know it. If you're a believer, you know how gracious he's been. That though he was rich, yet for your sake... He became poor so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Now, let's not misunderstand this. Paul is not saying that when Jesus came to earth, he, he took a, a vow of poverty. I happen to believe Jesus was in the, uh, the middle class range, not in the, the poor range. But that's not what he's talking about here. Paul is saying that although Jesus was rich in glory... In the sense that before his incarnation he was in the form of God. And as such he possessed all the glory and power and honor and majesty of deity. But he became poor by becoming a man. And while he never ceased being God. In becoming a man Jesus did give up all the experiences of his divine riches. So that at salvation, we who are absolutely bankrupt spiritually become spiritually wealthy by possessing all of the unsearchable riches in Christ. That's what salvation is. Jesus became poor so that we might be made rich, spiritually speaking. Now, knowing this, that Christ is so generous 
It's just natural that as we grow in him, we can expect to grow in the development of generosity. That, that ought to be one of the things you're growing in. Because the more we become conformed to his image, the more we will become like him in being thoughtful and generous and sensitive to the needs of others. See, if you have experienced God's saving grace in your life, knowing how generous the Lord has been to you by freely giving you all of his riches in Christ, how can you possibly refuse to be generous with others? You can't unless there's something seriously wrong with your spiritual life. Either unrepentant sin has stunted your growth so that you become too self-absorbed with your own interest to be generous and thoughtful with others, or perhaps you've never been converted, never dawned on you that this would be an evidence of salvation. You still need to experience God's grace in salvation. You've never seen how generous the Lord is because maybe you've never been saved. See, one of the ways to measure the spiritual depth of our church as well as our own individual lives is by the extent of our generosity. Now, at this point, I realize someone may be thinking, how can generosity, Steve, indicate someone's Christian experience? Because I know a lot of people who are generous and they're not even believers in Christ. And that's a very valid question. And you know what? There's a lot of truth to that. In fact, it is true. But let me explain. There are many people who donate and pledge huge amounts of money to organizations and charitable causes, and they are not Christians. However, understand this. This isn't the same type of generosity that characterized the Macedonian churches. That's not what Paul is talking about, and I'll explain. Because generally, when non-Christians donate money to charitable works, they give because they have an abundance to give. Often it's a tax write-off. They have plenty more where that came from. But note this. When the grace of God transforms your life, you give generously regardless of your circumstances. Even if you don't have much money to give, you give. That's not what non-Christians do. And that really brings us to a second characteristic of a generous church. The first being that their giving is motivated by the grace of God. But the second characteristic of a generous church is that their giving rises above their circumstances. It actually has nothing to do with their circumstances. Notice verse 2. Paul says that in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. I realize that it is easy to get lost in these, in these words. So let me explain. Paul with these words, explains the circumstances under which the Macedonian churches demonstrated the grace of God by giving generously to the poor believers in Jerusalem. First of all, Paul says that they gave during a very difficult time in their lives. Not easy for them. He called this time a great ordeal of affliction. He said that in a great ordeal of affliction. What does that mean? It is a reference to severe persecution that they were undergoing. These were the Philippians. These were the Thessalonians. Paul's written about them. 1 Thessalonians 1, 6, 6, you received the word in much tribulation. Philippians chapter 1 at the end of the chapter says, in no way alarmed by your opponents. They had a great ordeal of affliction. They were severely persecuted by non-Christians. 
Secondly, in addition to suffering due to persecution, notice that we read that these Macedonian Christians were extremely poor. They didn't have a whole lot to give. Paul mentions, he says, their deep poverty. You notice that? In a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy, and their deep poverty. What does that mean? It means they were dirt poor. The specific Greek word that he uses here for deep means down to the depth, rock bottom. In other words, as low as it gets. And the specific word he uses for poverty describes the lowest form of poverty of having nothing. They weren't just a little poor. They were real poor, being completely destitute. So when Paul says that the Macedonian Christians were poor, he is acknowledging that they had hit rock bottom economically. And yet, and yet in spite of being physically afflicted and financially depleted, he says that they were generous in giving to the relief of the poor believers in Jerusalem. And watch this. He says that they gave with great joy in their hearts. Notice he says their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. They gave liberally, even though they were going through all of this, persecution and, and financial woes themselves, and they gave with an abundance of joy. Simply put, this means that in spite of having to scrape the bottom of the barrel, these poor Christians gave joyfully and and they gave generously. Now, do you see why Paul used these specific churches of Macedonia as models of godly generosity? It's because they totally disarm us. They totally disarm any of us who might feel like we're just too poor to be generous. That this teaching doesn't apply to us. You see, the Macedonians destroy all of our excuses for holding on to our money. Because if, if these folks with their awful circumstances were not hindered from being generous, then how can any of us refuse to give generously to the work of the Lord? See, so often we think that, that generous giving is reserved for people who have loads of money. Wealthy people. They have, lot, they have lots of money to give away, but it doesn't apply to me. That's not true. That's not God's perspective. These destitute Macedonian Christians were held in God's highest esteem as generous. They were not wealthy, but God said he loved loved them specially because they were cheerful givers. God held them in high esteem, not because they gave away huge amounts of money, but because they were generous with the very little that they had as they gave sacrificially out of their poverty. That's why he held them in high esteem. Now, in light of the example of these poor Macedonians, none of us should should ever use tight finances as an excuse to not give generously. Even if you're a poor college student, no excuse, or a young married couple without much money, or a retiree on a fixed income, you can still be generous in your giving. Nor should we ever use the state of the stock market or real estate or the U.S. dollar to justify stinginess with the Lord. You see, generosity, note this, has nothing to do with how much money you have or don't have. There's nothing to do with that. Nor does it have anything to do with your economic outlook or the outlook of our nation's economy. Financial generosity is determined by one thing and one thing only, the state of your heart. The state of your heart. Because generous giving always comes in response to your appreciation of God's grace in your life. Not your circumstances. Circumstance has nothing to do with this. See, those who understand how generous their loving God has been with them 
always find a way to be generous in support of his ministry and his people. Now, before we move on, and we're, we're going to bring this before long to a close, but don't turn your mind off because this is very important. I want to address an important issue and, and one that I think has to be addressed. And it says, one of the main concerns that most people uh, have, people who are, or, who are on a small income, fixed income, have about being generous is a concern that if they're generous with others, who's going to take care of them? And that's a very valid question. If, if I give, Steve, like you're talking about, who's going to take care of me? Well, the Bible has an answer to that, and the answer is found in two places. Number one is Philippians chapter 4. So let's turn there. Philippians chapter 4. This is the answer. Paul recognized this very issue. Paul understood that people would think about this. God has an answer for you. In Philippians chapter 4, starting at verse 10, we read this. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly... For now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Number one, remember who he's writing to. These are the Philippians who are part of the generous Macedonian churches. Paul is saying that I recognize that you had concerns about my physical and financial welfare, but you had no way to express it. They apparently lost touch with Paul. They didn't know where he was. They now determined that he's in uh, Rome under house arrest, and now he says you can revive, you, are, you have revived your interest in me. That's simply what he's saying. Verse 11, he said, but I want you to understand something, not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am. The Philippians had sent a love gift to take care of Paul. Paul had financial needs. Paul had needs of clothing, needs of a blanket at night, needs of, of food, other things. So they had sent a love gift. And he said, I want you to understand, I'm not after your money. That's what he means. I don't speak from want. The Lord has provided for me. I've learned to be content in my circumstances. And then he explains. I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity. And by the way, I would add, sometimes living in prosperity is a lot more difficult than living in humble means to maintain your godliness and yet be blessed financially. He says, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. What is that secret, Paul? Verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. In other words, whatever circumstances I find myself in, whether I have a lot or a little, the Lord strengthens me. The Lord strengthens me. He gives me his grace. And he goes on to say, nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. He said, even though I'm content, I want you to know it's a good thing that you've sent a love gift to me. And then he says, he reminds them, you yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. What a thoughtful church this was. Even back then, initially when they heard the gospel, they were sensitive to Paul. Paul said, no other church at that point thought about my needs But you, Philippians, you're the only ones considerate enough. And he explains, look how thoughtful they were in verse 16. For even in Thessalonica, he means when he was in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. They tracked Paul down. They sent somebody with a gift and they said, this is for you, Paul. And they did that more than once, he says. 
And then once again, he explains, I'm not after your money, verse 17, not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. I'm not seeking your money, he said, but I am thrilled that you're obedient. I do seek your obedience. And then he explains, but I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I'm amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent. They sent this gift by way of a man named Epaphroditus. And Paul said, I'm I'm thankful. Thank you for that. And here's how he explains what this gift is like to God. He calls it a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Paul said, you gave to meet my needs, but as far as God is concerned, it was a sweet-smelling sacrifice to him. And then here's the promise. Who's going to take care of these poor Philippians? Who's going to meet their needs? They have been so generous with Paul. Who's going to be generous with them? God is, verse 19. And he says, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. God never runs out of riches. My God will supply all of your needs. In other words, you have been generous in supplying my need. God will be generous in supplying your needs. Now, folks, contrary to how many people understand this, this is not a general promise to all Christians. It is a promise to generous Christians. If you're generous with God's people and the Lord's work, God will be generous with you. He says the same thing if you look back at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We looked at this before, but, but there's so much in here. He says the same thing, chapter 9, verse 6. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Why will you reap sparingly? Because God will withhold from you. That's why. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Why does God bless some people? Because they're generous with others. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And then he says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. What he means is that if you're generous and you give to others, God will make sure in his generosity, he'll resupply you with finances. Why? Not so you can just spend it on yourself. This is not the health and wealth gospel. He'll give you more so you can give more to others. That's precisely, folks, what verse 8 means. You'll, you'll always have an ample supply from the Lord. It's our responsibility to be generous. It's God's responsibility to meet our needs. So, so don't claim this promise unless you're generous. And I can tell you that in my own experience, I've seen this in my life. I, I really can't tell you how many times Michelle and I have seen this truth become a living reality in our lives as we have seen God keep his word in just remarkable and unexpected ways to minister financially to us as we have endeavored to minister to others. I, I really regret that I didn't write some of these things down because some of them are, some of the ways that he has provided are just remarkable. I, I just can't remember all of them, but they were remarkable and I wish I had written them down. So the, the lesson for all of us here is that Jesus Christ, the sovereign one of his church, says, this is how I meet the needs of my people called the church. My people are raised up to meet the needs of my people. Let's bow for prayer. There are two, I think, two primary lessons that come out of this. Number one, 
need to make sure that you have received the grace of God. Have you? Do you understand God's graciousness in salvation? If you do, then you'll be generous with others because you'll understand God has been generous with you. And you'll be growing in that area. If not, then I urge you, examine yourself whether you are really in the faith. That's just part of sanctification. We're growing to be like Christ and we're going to grow in being thoughtful to others. Don't make money an idol in your life. It's not yours anyway. Everything is on loan from God. It's his. Paul asked the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, what do you have that you did not receive? The answer is absolutely nothing. Everything we have spiritually and physically comes from God. So share it with others. You brought nothing into this world, you'll take nothing out of this world. But while we're in this world, we are commanded to give. And even though it's a command, we are to give joyfully. Secondly, second lesson here is that if, if you are not as generous as you should be, then you cry out for the Lord to sanctify you. You cry out and say, Lord, I'm not what I should be. I'm, I'm not generous. I don't think about other people. I think about myself. Please change me. Make me more like Christ in this area. And then you look for ways to be generous. You work at it as God gives you grace. You discipline yourself to be generous. And to be generous with a cheerful heart. It does no good if you give under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Lord, thank you that you have cheerfully given to us all the riches of Christ. Thank you for that, Lord. You don't give us salvation begrudgingly. You give because you love us. Lord, help us to be lovers of others who give. And you know by, by the way we, we have been in our lives, the sin nature, Lord, coming into this world, we, we were all tightwads. We were all takers. Lord, sanctify us. Help us to be givers. Help us to be those who are like Christ, who are generous. And I pray that you will also work in the lives of those who may not know you, Lord. They may not really understand the grace of God, and that's why they're not generous. They wouldn't think of sharing with others because they don't know what you've shared with them. I pray that you use your word to bring some to faith, others to sanctification. Lord, I pray that you'll work in our, in our hearts that all of us might be more generous, more thoughtful of others that we would never use our own circumstances as an excuse to be stingy. May we be those who reflect the very character of our Savior, who said it is more blessed to give than to receive. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in today to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you're looking for a home church and live in or near Clearwater, I'd encourage you to stop in some Sunday. Lakeside's address is 1893 Sunset Point Road. For a map and more information, direct your web browser to www.lakesidechapel.com or call 727-239-0306. That's also the number to call if you'd like to request a free CD with the message Pastor Steve just concluded. Ask for message 4226, Nature of the Church, Part 6. That phone number again is 727-239-0306. 
If you're one of our visually impaired listeners and you have a digital talking book player from the Library Service for the Blind, we'd like to remind you of a special offer. You can get a free audio Bible for your digital player by calling 800-838-5924 or visit www.blindbibles.com. Remember, 800-838-5924 or blindbibles.com. Verse by Verse is nonprofit and is funded in part by our listeners. Pastor Steve has already made it clear that supporting our home churches is vitally important. But if you feel the Lord moving you to give over and above what you already give to your church, it would encourage us and help pay for the production and airing of these daily broadcasts. Find out more by clicking the Giving tab on our website, versebyverseradio.org. And if you'd like to listen to something you missed or review anything you've been hearing on Verse by Verse, click the Message Archive tab at versebyverseradio.org. Remember Zacchaeus? He was that uh, short little uh, tax collector who climbed the tree to be able to see Jesus as he passed by. When Zacchaeus came to faith in Jesus, he said he would give away half of what he owned to the poor, and he'd repay fourfold anyone he had defrauded. 